It's the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States of America. The National Security Hour exposes the wolves in sheep's clothing and their nefarious plots to undermine and destroy U.S. national security. Welcome to the National Security Hour. I'm Ed Huglin, your host for this evening. Tonight, I have a very special presentation, something I've worked on for a number of years to bring you, the American people, insights that you'll never see, you'll never hear anywhere else. Tonight, I'm gonna talk about the cognitive war, why we are losing and how we can win. My book on this subject was just published. I wanna highlight a few things about the book because it brings together over four decades of experience inside the intelligence community, the Department of Defense, and several other executive branch agencies. It brings together my background and experience in Soviet studies in competing and fighting the Cold War for decades. And it brings together a variety of different personal experiences inside the belly of the beast, inside the NASA security apparatus to help you understand how it functions, where it's going wrong, and how we can fix it. Tonight, I'm gonna to talk about failure and insanity. Basically a background on the book, the IC and DOD, and their failures and, and why we're here. I'll talk about the awakening. It's, it's not communism, never was. This is a cognitive war. It is a war that is taking place both globally and domestically. If you are unaware, uninformed, and do not know about this war, then how can you compete against it? How can you fight it? And how can you win it? Well, the answer is you can't. And that's why I put this book together, because it's critically important for all Americans, not just the average citizens, but also all of our leaders on both sides of the aisle to fully understand and comprehend what's happening. But in addition, we must look to our other freedom-loving people in the world here, democracies or partial democracies, republics, that seek to advance humanity, enable freedom, enable independence. This book is for the free world as a whole. It's to help you understand that this war, the cognitive war, has been going on for a millennium or more and will continue for a millennium on. And the third part I'll talk about tonight is just that, the challenge of the millennium. So let's begin here first. So it's critical to, to understand is my motivation here is to get this message out. I've been doing the NASA Security Hour for the last year on my own time, non-funded. But why? It's because the message, the message and understanding of what this cognitive war is, how real it is, must be understood by all in the free world. This message was put together starting back in about 2017 when I was tasked as part of the senior advisor to the Deputy Chief of Staff Intelligence in the U.S. Army, I was tasked to put together a picture of what the future of military intelligence will look like. But during this time, while I was serving on the Army's G2 staff, and this is after a long 
27-year career across the other IC agencies and such. But while I was serving on this staff, I had put together a coalition of the willing. There were over 110 IC, DOD, and other federal organizations who participated in a monthly classified virtual teleconference I held. And there's over several hundred individuals, senior executives, GS-15s and others, seniors and generals from across the Intelligence Community Department of Defense and other executive branch agencies that attended this session. Over half the sessions, or close to half the sessions, I tried to focus on what I call the cognitive war, in which many in the military or Department of Defense call grain zone operations, multi-domain operations, influence operations, cyber operations, but it encompasses all of those. And the reason I put that coalition together and the reason I advanced that coalition was many of those organizations today and then face the very same problems, only they hadn't really defined the problems. They hadn't really defined the requirements they had in a manner which would speak to those who are not so technical, not so understanding. In other words, many of these organizations felt their needs, their requirements were unique to them. Little did they understand that the majority the majority of the problem sets they faced were replicated and are similar across the whole federal establishment, across our U.S. government. The other aspect that they didn't understand was the battles we were fighting and the wars they were trying to win. Their minds were focused almost solely, almost solely on kinetic actions and kinetic solutions meaning blowing things up and killing things. There were very few across the federal establishment who looked to understand the real war, the ongoing cognitive war, which has been ongoing for over a millennium or more now and will continue until mankind ceases to exist. This cognitive war takes place in the most critical of all domains, the human mind, the cognitive domain. The cognitive domain encompasses all other domains because we as humans operate in all those other domains, which we tend to then put into the physical or material, such as cyber, terrestrial, space, undersea, etc. But this coalition of the willing was critical because what it showed was there was a large number of people in those organizations who were very interested in trying to advance solutions against the cognitive war. And so we regularly focused on gray zone information operations and other areas. From this discussions and from these engagements and based on the tasking from the Army G2 to define the future of military intelligence, I wrote a paper, The Cognitive War, The Future of Military Intelligence 2035 to 2050. Now, why did I write the future paper in the way I did, which is the basis for this book, which is now more fully expanded and covers a lot more, and I'll go into that in a little bit. If you understand the cultures in the intelligence community in the Department of Defense, 
they'll eat your strategy for lunch. Culture eats strategy for lunch. You've heard that probably a numerous different times. And so part of the strategy in putting this paper together was to then not only fulfill the task, but write something about the future of military intelligence. But to do so in a manner which people would quickly and readily understand could be applied here and now today. But by putting a future title on the paper, by making this a future idea in the paper, it then took away the threat to the current cultures, which would have eaten that strategy for lunch. Instead, when I briefed this to the strategic multi-assessment layer, a form out of the Office of Secretary of Defense to several hundred people and then distributed the paper to several thousand people across academia, the IC, the Department of Defense, and other executive branch agencies. The reverberation and applause was resounding. I was stopped in the halls of the Pentagon several times by senior general officers from different military services, stating they had read the paper. They thought what was in the paper was exactly what we needed to do. And then they turn and look around to make sure no one was watching and say, good luck. Now, why was that? Because they knew the paper and the thoughts pieces inside this faced an uphill battle. Because the cultures of the kinetics, the military industrial complex, doesn't want to hear what reality is. They don't want to fight the real war. So I put this paper together, got it published, and I retired from government. But I began immediately working on the cognitive warfare, why we are losing and how we can win, the book. And over the last three and a half years since my retirement as an executive from the intelligence community in DOD, where I spent several years at the National Imagery and Mapping Agency, several years at CIA, twice in my career, for a total of one-third of my career at CIA, and several years at the DNI, Director of National Intelligence in the United States Army, and then working across different executive branch departments like Homeland Security, Energy, State Department, all during those years. So when I retired from government and I, I became a consultant to the Department of State's Global Engagement Center in 2019 to help them fight the disinformation war, I began work on the fuller book here to explain the fuller soup to nuts of what's going on within the cognitive war, because it is the ex existential threat to our democracy. Now, the key aspects of the book is one must understand what the problems we face are if one is going to compete and fight against them. We are our own worst enemy, as Pogo said. The enemy is us. So the book is laid out for ease and digestion that allows one to understand the whole of the book or develop into different parts as desired. You can start at the end, you can start at the beginning, you can start in the middle. But the intent is, first of all, to begin with a warning for all ages. A warning for all ages that, if ignored, 
If ignored, which it is currently today, America is on the road to tyranny. The book continues with the definition and understanding of the cognitive war, why we are losing, and delves into the global and domestic versions of this war. Now, I focus briefly on the global cognitive war between China, Russia, and I look at some macro aspects and points there. But I focus a lot more specifically on the domestic cognitive war because it is the existential threat to our republic, our freedoms, and our independence at this point. But it's also a fact that the same tactics and techniques are used globally and domestically. And I'll get into that here in a little bit. This is followed by discussion of the analytical aspects behind the cognitive war and the type of analysis we need to be conducting. It goes into the information equilibrium theory, a theory which I put together a quarter century ago, which is the underlying foundation for this whole understanding of the cognitive war and how to fight back on it. And then I go into a concept of operations, a future military and intelligence concept of operations of how we should be fighting this war. This is followed by a discussion of how to develop a proper investment roadmap to guide the reallocation, divestment of useless programs, and an investment to advance the capacity, capabilities, and expertise that's required to compete and win in this war. The conversation then finally moves towards the end of the book in providing substantive solutions and strategy for how we can win this war. It is an ongoing war. Now, a primary challenge here, and the reason I've written this book, the reason I've been on this program for the last year, and the reason I've gone on a variety of other podcasts and radio programs to bloviate on this, is because a primary challenge in understanding this cognitive war is awakening the American people, our political, military, and other leaders to the fact we are in an actual war a blood sport for actual power. It is not a political battle. It is an ongoing blood sport, actual war for absolute power. In its most fundamental form, this is a battle between good and evil. It is a battle between good and evil because it's between those who are seeking to advance our freedom, independence, and republic, and those who wish to subjugate us. And you've seen it play out every single day here in America. And more and more, you see this play out every single day on the world stage. But because it's so segmented and executed in different segments and strategies, it's hard for people to understand. But Americans must understand and the world, the world, our allies must understand, this is a perpetual war that is not limited to just this generation, but a war that will continue as long as mankind exists. The reality is evil does exist in this world and it is persistence in its efforts. We cannot ignore it. We cannot hide from it. And more specifically, we cannot defeat it unless we act with purpose and remain resolved. Too many Americans and others take freedom for granted. They have short memories. They do not study history. 
and they quickly fall into one of four buckets of despair. They became complacent, compliant, complicit, or corrupt, or a mixture of the latter. Any mixture of the latter elements, complacent, compliant, complicit, or corrupt, leaves the doors wide open for tyranny and despotism. Unfortunately, unfortunately, history does repeat itself. As we tend to focus on the here and now, and we tend to focus in a myoptic perspective. But that's why I've written this book, is to bring you a more strategic perspective to put the whole enchilada into one specific picture to help you understand what's going on. Okay, we must educate and help all Americans to realize that this ongoing cognitive war must be stopped, lest the balance of the information equilibrium tilt from freedom and independence towards tyranny and despotism. And if it does, it will not do it for just a decade or so. It will do it for a century or more. And we will find hundreds of millions again murdered under such authoritarianism and despotism. When we come back from break, I'll talk to you about repeating history and the awakening. It's not communism. It never was. You can hear me weekly here on the radio with our great task of characters on the NASA Security Hour that plays 7 o'clock Eastern every Monday through Friday. My show is on Tuesday nights mostly, but I also do several other shows with other members that are frequently played on other nights. Be sure to make AmericaOutloud.news your daily stop for all the news and happenings. We'll be right back. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Hey everyone, Nurse Kimberly Overton here from Nurses Out Loud. Over time, our cell signaling molecules diminish, leaving us vulnerable to the wear and tear of life. With the Sea of Redox, you can restore and revitalize your body at the cellular level. This is an incredible product that I personally use and can attest to seeing fantastic results, including better sleep, increased energy, improved mood, and a decrease in my joint pain. ASEA supports your immune system, enhancing your body's natural ability to repair itself. It promotes overall well-being so that you can experience a new level of vitality and resilience. It's time to take control of your health and experience the power of ASEA. Visit our online store today at americaoutloud.shop and use promo code OUTLOUD to save 15%. Be sure to tune in to Nurses Out Loud Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. Welcome back to the National Security Hour. My name is Ed Huglin. I'm your host this evening. And tonight we're discussing a most critical piece of work, my book, The Cognitive War, Why We Are Losing, How We Can Win. It's critical in that you're not going to hear this information and read this information anywhere else. Because from my perspective, many of the other folks who are trying to educate and inform people on what's happening 
don't take a broad enough perspective on what this actual war is. And neither do they fully understand the war. Many of them think of this, that what you're seeing here in the United States, what you're seeing here in the world, is communism, the advancement of communism. A, a great paper, I think, the Epoch Times, has a number of different pieces I'll go into a little bit later here, related to communism and understanding communism. And they're very well worth reading because they're very applicable. Very much of that is applicable to what we'll be discussing here this evening. But the real awakening is it's not communism. It never was. This ongoing domestic cognitive war takes a look at a variety of different aspects strategically to put together an understanding of what this war is. Communism is just one of the ways, just one of the ways of many by which those seeking absolute power seek to, seek to subjugate us. So let me start here with the definition of cognitive war. It is primarily an ideological war between tyranny and freedom, control and independence, subjugation and democracy. It is a war that is fought primarily in the cognitive domain, using strategies which apply various ways. Okay, in those ways, ideology, so communism, fascism. Other ways, religion, they use hatred of Christians or the advancement of radical Islam. Or issues, whether it's transgenderism, CRT, 1619 Project, or racism. Okay, and they use a variety of means. They use academia, they use economic, they use agricultural, social, military, etc., the point here is, though, it's a multifaceted strategy. A good strategy ties the ways and means together to reach a desired end. Okay, so the ways, again, are ideology, religion, and issues. The means, you can see, cover a variety of things every single day. Defund the police. Push transgenderism in the military. In the social field, cry racism for everything. Okay. And it's not just here domestically, it's also globally. <clears throat> the intent is to influence. In its most basic form, cognitive war is a battle between good and evil. Cognitive war can and does include a regular warfare and the use of kinetics. Sistani, when he was taken out by then President Trump with the missile, it was a kinetic action. But it sent a very cognitive message, a very cognitive effect. It is a war that's been ongoing for more than a millennium. It is timeless as mankind exists. Cognitive war is truly the existential threat that is global and domestic. In today's USA and today's world, do you understand it? Can defend against it? Can compete in it or win it? Now, it can be won, but not if we are unwilling to change. Now, the cognitive domain... The cognitive domain is the domain of the human mind, ideas, ideology, function, reason, will, spirit, etc. The human will. The cognitive domain encompasses all other domains. As I mentioned before, cyber, air, land, subterranean, space, subservice. They're all one operating domain for mankind. 
but they're not separate from that which allows man to function in them, the human brain, the cognitive domain. As we have humans have mentally segmented those domains to operate and function in them doesn't mean that they're separate and distinct. Yet we forget that the most important domain, the cognitive domain, is relevant in this battle, and it remains an afterthought for most of our political, military, and other leaders. Now, the awakening is important because a lot of people, again, think this is just about communism. But it's not. It's about using those various ways, religion, ideology, and issues, in a multifaceted approach to subvert our democratic systems, to subvert our republic, our laws, our constitution, and use and abuse them against us. And when people understand that, the light bulb starts to go on. But it's not an easy fight, okay? Because this battle has been going on for centuries. More so, it's been going on since, more recently, since the Communist Party was founded back when the Soviets took power with Lenin and Stalin. But what's changed over the years here, and I go into this in the book, what has changed is the democratization of technology has enabled the flow and constriction and manipulative information to such degree by either an individual, a group of people, or nation state that further enables them to then drive false narratives, to drive specific actions physical, emotional, and via media to cause chaos and confusion and terror. Now, those three aspects, chaos, confusion, and terror, are three thrusts that these dystopian radicals seem to continue to use, but they've refined the processes over time. They've refined their strategy over time. And when you take a look at the methodical process they've made over the last six decades here in the United States and globally, you'll see such issues, issues, remember the ways, is climate change, global warming, being used not to advance true environmental benefits for mankind, but to subjugate and control. Why else do they think you want to they want to ban your gas stoves, your gas cars, your types of electricity used, your ability to travel? It has nothing to do with climate change. It has everything to do with control and subjugation. So they refine their different efforts very meticulously and execute them very meticulously. Okay, to our detriment. Take a look at the United States education system. We spend more money now than we have per student in decades. But what we've seen is the radical left and others have usurped by the teachers' unions, by the school boards, by the school councils, city councils, and local election officials. They've usurped power and implemented specific policies and indoctrination of children, of our youth, not only K through 12, but in graduate school amongst the universities. They put in place what the far left knew long ago, 
the most effective mode and means to subjugate the subjugated people by educating and indoctrinating their youth at an early age, filling them with false narratives about the benefits of the radical programs, radical socialist programs and issues the left wishes to push to create a false sense of a utopian world. This is explained in the book how this is taking place on multiple different fronts. And it's very, very important for people to understand that this is not just domestic, it's global. And the same tactics are being used by Russia and China to undermine us. It's all about power and control. So let's take a look at one recent example here, just happening here in the last week or so. Uh, and it has continued to happen in California, Minnesota, and other places. But in Minnesota, where I grew up, by the way, in a small town, Austin, Minnesota, a hormone meatpacking plant there, where it used to be a union, and there was the Democratic Farmers League, the Democrats Party, okay, main proponents there. But in that small town, and in Minnesota now, there are are going to give the 81,000 illegal immigrants that just arrived, 81,000 illegal immigrants, the ability to get driver's license. Now, some people would think, well, that makes sense because we don't want people without driver's license on the road and such. But think about this. And what's the purpose? What's the objective to what outcome? And you must ask yourself that question continually as you think about the cognitive war. For what purpose, for what outcome, for what impact is the radical left pushing a certain policy? Now, remember, anyone, anyone who called for voter rights and the need to have voter IDs was called racist. But what are they doing here in Minnesota? They're giving identification. To whom? Illegal citizens. What are they giving them? A driver's license. How do you register to vote in your city? You use a government form of ID or some other type of documentation that shows you're a citizen. Well, who's going to check to see if this illegal citizen is actually a citizen? They got a driver's license. So you see where this is going. In just the last three years, and by the end of the Biden administration, you'll have 10 million illegal immigrants have crossed the border in the last four years. 10 million. That's 10 cities, 10 cities of 20,000 people each. Okay. 10 cities of 20,000 people each. So that's equivalent of putting a couple hundred thousand people in every single state of the union. Do you think that will make a difference? you think that will make a difference? And this is the essence of the cognitive war. It's planned, it's purposeful, and it's perverse. In their efforts to subvert America is an insurrection by the radical left that removes your rights and freedoms and hand those rights of legal citizens to those who wish to do us harm. Now, this is an ongoing problem. 
And in the book, I go into specific examples in both a global and domestic cognitive war. But let me give you one more recent example here. Okay, these are tactical examples. In the book, I talk about more strategic examples and give you some background on the problem set and what's happening with this actual cognitive war. But in an article by Peter Menzies in the Epic Times about parents being kept in the dark on transgender issues, it's not about safety, it's about power. And he's absolutely right. Trust is inherent in our government institutions. Trust is inherent in our government officials, our public servants. And what the radical left has done is misuse that trust, abuse that trust, then to subvert those institutions and use those authorities against us. That's why you've seen the weaponization of our national security apparatus against parents who are called domestic terrorists, against Catholics who are also called domestic terrorists, and who were tried to be infiltrated by the FBI to spy on them in church, exercising their freedom of religion and freedom of expression and freedom of assembly, all First Amendment rights. But when you undermine that trust, that's not a good thing. Because by undermining the trust, the left, radical left, achieves another goal. They add to the cause, the chaos, and the confusion. Without trust, Peter writes, the key component in social capital, we can't build a healthy relationships required for emotional and economic flourishing. As political scientist and author Francis Fukuyama once wrote in a paper, social capital is important to the efficient functioning of modern economies and is the sine qua non of stable liberal democracy. And he's right. But what's happening with this transgender issue is a perfect example of an issue. Remember the ways? Religion, issues, and ideology. It's an issue being used as a weapon to cludgeon, to silence, to censor people. The transgender issue has nothing to do with individual rights. Transgenders have the same civil and constitutional rights that you and I have if you're an American citizen. But you notice what the tendency and what the track here, what the narrative here is in transgender issue. It's about silencing people who do not bow to the God of utopian fiction. If you do not believe a man can become a woman, a woman can become a man. And that a man who just claims he's a woman puts on a dress and can walk into a woman's locker room or compete in women's sports is an abomination. And if you say that, you are then censored, condemned, called a racist, a bigot, and other things. Well, thank God people are fighting back. But this is where the left is going. This is why the importance of this book is it's not just talking about and understanding the concept of the cognitive war. It's understanding what the main problem sets are that are the foundation for this. Because if we fail to fix and address the problems in this ongoing domestic and global cognitive war, we have one of two choices. We will either end up in an unnecessary kinetic war from which we may never recover, or what is more likely in the track we're on right now, we will end up being subverted within from both internal enemies and those aided by external enemies as a Manchurian president who's compromised in undermining our republic our institutions and our freedoms. 
Now, when I come back, I'm going to continue to cover a little bit more of the histor historical perspective, and I'll talk a little bit about the other aspects of the book. But if you don't understand this war, if you don't pick up anything else to read, this is the one thing you should read in the next year, because if you don't understand this war here, our country will be lost for sure. All of our shows go to podcast typically a day after broadcast is heard here on the talk radio. So I'll broadcast here. You hear my, my show tonight. In a day or so, it goes on to podcast. It goes on a multiple podcast platforms, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, and iHeart Podcast, and many more. So be sure to subscribe and rate me on Apple Podcasts. I'll be right back. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Out loud. Welcome back to the National Security Hour. I'm Ed Huglin, your host for this evening. Tonight we're talking about a critical piece of work, the cognitive war, why we are losing and how we can win. You can get this book on Amazon. Just either Google Amazon, The Cognitive War by Edward Huglin. Or when this show goes to podcast, you'll see the link there. The link for my book is already up on AmericaOutloud.news. That's AmericaOutloud.news. So what I want to continue with here in the last segment here is give you a little bit more perspective on why this war and understanding this is so critical. And some potential touch. I'll touch on some of the potential solution aspects, which I discuss in the book. But when you take a look at this ongoing war, you always hear the radical left talk about humanity. Okay, that's another issue they use to cludgeon those who oppose them. But they talk about humanity all the time. But what do we see with this massive illegal immigration across our borders, our southern borders here? Recently, 
we have seen a number of atrocious incidents, felons, murders, and other rapes that happen from these people who come across illegally. Not all of them are felons, murderers, and rapists, but some of them are. But what most Americans don't understand here is the fact, and this is by R.J. Allman and Laura Rise in the Epic Times noted that the fact that unaccompanied children are regularly raped and exploited on their journeys to the United States. Do you hear that in the mainstream media? Do you hear that by the mainstream media, who I refer to as the propaganda whores? No, because they're part of the cabal now. Our once free press has become Baghdad Bob's, the propaganda horse for the far radical left. They are no longer the free press serving you, the American public. They serve the voice of their master in this cognitive war for absolute power. But Hamann and Rise write, sadly, their lives do not improve once they enter the country for these children, where they are then turned over to questionable, if not dangerous, quote-unquote sponsors. The U.S. DHS has no freaking idea who these sponsors are. So you have several hundred thousand children being brought to the United States and then passed out to sponsors. The children go are missing. They're forced into unsafe work conditions or they're sex trafficked. In one case, Juan Carlos Garcia Rodriguez, a 17-year-old native of Guatemala, illegally crossed into the United States and self-surrendered in El Paso, Texas, as a minor. He was then turned over to the Health and Human Services to custody as an unaccompanied child and released into Louisiana. On August 19, 2023, he was arrested as a suspect in a brutal murder of an 11-year-old migrant girl in Pasadena, Texas. So here's one illegal preying on another illegal. This is extremely sickening. At the time of his arrest, his address was not in Louisiana with the sponsor, but an apartment complex in Texas where the little girl was found after being sexually assaulted, strangled, and put into a trash bag and hidden underneath her bed. You know how she was found? She was found by her father. She was found by her father when he came home from work. How horrific is that? But this, this shows you, you Americans are necessary collateral damage in this cognitive war for absolute power. They care not about your lives. And you can see this in the progressive cities. The murders, the rapes, the felons, the rise in crime, because again, it's chaos, it's confusion, and it's terror. Why? For power. Now, in the book, I go through the warning for all ages. I cover why we're losing the cognitive war. And then speaking to why we are losing, I talk about the specific key problems. I define and scope these problems. Okay. I then speak to the global cognitive war and the domestic cognitive war in depth, okay, and give you many more specific examples of how they use the tactics, techniques, and, and procedures they use to undermine us. But then I talk about theory to operations, and the theory of the information in equilibrium is a key aspect of the book. In its most simple form, it's the control or the restriction or manipulation of information. 
the greater the flow, the greater the tendency to enable democracy, freedom, and independence. The greater the restriction and manipulation, the information equilibrium tilts its balance toward despotism, tyranny, and subjugation. But then I talk about how we can win in the challenges and solutions portion of the book. And overhauling our national security apparatus is one of those ways. And we must, if we're going to survive here, holding public officials accountable for their oaths of office and such is another. And I close, I close the book with a chapter on civil rights to salvation, the power of the people, and how this war can be won and is possible in being won if we are aware, if we are informed, and if we act with purpose. Now, the challenge of the millennium. I spoke about the challenge of the millennium as the third segment that I wanted to cover tonight. For people who don't understand history, we are now repeating history, but we're repeating history with a much more dynamic information environment because the democratization of technology has enabled, as I said up front, an individual, a group of individuals, or nation states to rapidly manipulate, control, and drive information for their purposes for their narratives. And in the case of China and Russia, they're false narratives and they're undermining. But in the case of China, who has taken what they call unrestricted warfare, a book written in 1999 by two Chinese colonels in the People's Liberation Army, which they've been implementing now for 25 years, almost 25 years. But in the book, Unrestricted Warfare, which is really cognitive warfare. They look at economic, political, military, every single facet as a different thrust to enable their strategy to subjugate America and the rest of the world. So let's look back in history for those not familiar with it. In 1918, the Communist Party was founded by Lenin and Stalin and the foundation of the Soviet Union began. But people forget here in America, the Communist Party was also funded by Gus Hall and Bertram Wolf, who I met his wife a number of years later. And she talked about how her and her husband worked out of the Kremlin with Lenin and Stalin. But they become disillusioned because they understood it's not communism, but a means to an end a strategy, a ways and means to an end. So they left the Communist Party and become vocal critics of it. But 1918, the Communist Party of the United States was running early vi a vi a viral and people joining. In 1939, the fascists, the Nazi Party, also far left, by the way, and in the book, I point this out, the German Democratic Socialist Workers' Party, Socialist Workers' Party, was a far left organization as well. Both the Nazis and the communists are far left. Communism and fascism are but two ends of the same circle of tyranny. They're one and the same. 
But because the far left loves to use the utopian visions of communism, okay, they wanted to segment, and they've done a very good job at this with another false narrative, fascism and Nazism away from themselves. But remember the Stalin-Ribbentrop Pact? It was the Nazis and the communists who then started World War II with the invasion of Poland and the partition of Poland. Right. But in 1939, in the 1930s, the Nazi Party also gained great ground here in the United States. 1945, at the end of World War II, there were a massive number of communist spies throughout the U.S. government. Go back and Google the Venona Papers, V-E-N-O-N-A, the Venona Papers. McCarthy was right. There were over 300 spies littered throughout the U.S. government, Franklin Delano Roosevelt's and, and Truman administration and the Democratic administrations. Okay, The Venona Papers identified through a long, very highly classified program that wasn't declassified until in the 90s, 1990s, how they identified the Rosenbergs and other folks who actually give away atomic secrets, identified spies throughout the United States. In the 1960s, the Cuban Missile Crisis, the Vietnam War, the Soviets were very effective in deploying propaganda, false narratives, and cognitive warfare against the United States. Okay, in the 1980s, same thing with Ronald Reagan. Remember the Red Scare? Ronald Reagan was going to start World War III. Okay, all this was purposely. The red balloons, all these different types of activities happening from the far left. Because the narrative from the far left was the conservatives would start World War III, and therefore we needed to stop deployment of nuclear weapons in Europe to counter the expansion of the Soviet Union. But people forget that in each of those instances, the radical left was defeated and we moved on. As I said up front, this cognitive war is perpetual. It's never-ending. But we don't learn from history, so we repeat it. We're doomed to repeat it. And so today, just recently, in the 2016 elections, you saw another false narrative come out by the radical left. They had a game plan for Hillary Clinton to win that election, but she didn't. And they were surprised. But... The game plan for her to win the election started with that false dossier against Trump to try to undermine him before the election even occurred. Election interference, purposeful election interference, a felony in the United States. Paid for opposition research to get Russian disinformation pushed forward to a number of lemmings of the left in the FBI, the intelligence community, and Department of Defense and Department of State. And they use this to undermine and subvert an internal insurrection, which is considered treason in the United States, an internal insurrection against the United States government, duly elected President Trump at the time. All right. But no one's pointing this out. But I pointed out in the book wholeheartedly. These people committed treason, acts of treason, and yet have not been held accountable for it. Where else have you seen over two dozen FBI agents fired fired for conducting a coup against the sitting president. 
but you've seen the head at the time of CIA, DNI, and other places go scot-free for pushing these false narratives. You've seen congressmen like Adam Schiff, a piece of Schiff, an appropriate last name for him, Adam Schiff, pushing such lies. And you've seen dystopian Democrats like Nancy Pelosi and her cluge of lemmings then conduct two false Stalinist impeachment trials using this false information to further undermine the president. Yet they focus on 6th January to defend it's a small handful of people who committed some acts on the Capitol Hill and who shall be held accountable, but while they prosecute thousands of other innocents. But at the same time, what happened to the insurrectionists, the subversionists in our government, those who committed treason? There's no accountability. And this is one of the critical reasons and one of the solutions I offer in the book is how to overhaul the national security apparatus. Because unless it's done, our republic, our republic will no longer exist, plain and simple. When we take a look at our mainstream media, as I mentioned before, I refer to them as the propaganda whores. You could take a look at, for example, just take a look at the Washington Post, the compost. They have a person there, a so-called fact checker. And what's astounding to me is how effective his false narratives are. Because if you read the Washington Post, which I do painfully, by the way, because they telegraphed a lot and they telegraph where they're going and what their policy priorities will be. They do it for the left. But when you read that fact checker's columns and you take a look at what facts he's checking, rarely does he give any, what he calls Pinocchios for false information. Rarely does he give Pinocchios for false information pushed by the far left and the Democrats. But consistently and falsely, he gives a variety of Pinocchios for conservatives and stuff on the right. But in the rare instance, and he does this purposely, in the rare instance he calls out something as a blatant lie, like something that Biden says, okay, then you see a whole slew of conservatives and independents and Democrats point to him as being credible because he's called this out. What do you see how that game's played? He gives the aura and the perception of being factual and truthful once in a while, but he uses that umbrella perception to then push false narrative and propaganda consistently. Just recently on MSNBC, a, a columnist and progressive radio show, Dean Obadala said that Donald Trump must die in prison to set an example for the public after the president was charged with crimes. Here's your free press. What do you think they're doing here? The Epic Times and some other newspapers, the Washington Times and other folks, get things partially right. The Epic Times, as I said, I think misidentifies the problem as communism. But they do a very good job at laying out an understanding of the communist aspect and ideology being used as a weapon 
So from a cognitive warfare perspective and understanding, it's a great paper to get to understand different things. But they write on a regular basis how the specter of communism is ruling our world. It's done by their editorial team. Okay. In a recent piece, How Communism Sows Chaos in Politics, they talk about this. Okay. So I recommend this to you. Yeah, I commend this to you. But in the end, America, we must, we must understand this war. If we fail to understand this war and act to stop this cognitive war, our freedom is at risk. Freedom is not free. As Thomas Jefferson famously said, the tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. That time may soon be on here, and I hope to God that blood that that blood that refreshes our tree of liberty is those of tyrants and not those of free American citizens and free world citizens. But unless we act, unless we act with purpose, we may find that blood that refreshes that tree of liberty goes away and dies for a hundred years or more. I'm here on the NASA Security Hour every week to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. I will go outside of the fog of the daily chaos to give you a strategic perspective on national security issues and speak truth to power, the power of we the people, so we together can best ensure the resilience and security of our republic. Thanks for joining us on the mission. The National Security Hour is the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States of America. <laughs>